20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello and welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Let me start by saying thank you so much for being here. I get that right now the Green Bay Packers are not the most fun thing to talk about in the world. Uh, They have lost now four games in a row. They are having an atrocious season. They can't score points on offense. They can't stop people on defense, at least not with any great level of consistency. They can't get turnovers. There's a lot that is broken with this team. So I get like, I've been there as a fan where you just kind of want to check out in those moments and you, you know, maybe don't want to have to think about the Packers futility and all of those things. So I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for checking out the Pack-A-Day podcast 365 days a year. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe, check out those memberships, do all of those great things to support the channel. I appreciate it a ton, but let's talk about the Packers most recent loss to the Minnesota Vikings. 24 to 10 at home. If there was any thought of like, hey, you know what? There was last couple games, they're on the road. You go to Vegas, you go to the Broncos in Denver, maybe the altitude or some things like that. Maybe all the time off didn't help them. Maybe they couldn't get into a rhythm. Maybe getting back at home and maybe having back-to-back weeks of football, maybe that'd be good for this team. And maybe they can maybe take a step in a positive. No, nope. It's the exact same stuff. The exact same stuff. I, I'm I'm not going to just bore you here and sit and talk to you about the exact same things that we talked about after Detroit, after Denver, after Las Vegas, now after Minnesota. I'm, we're not going to talk about all of the exact same things, but just know that blocking, still not good enough. I, at first glance, the blocking I thought was a little bit better this week. I'm not saying I'm giving any huge passing grades out there, but it didn't look to be quite as brutal at times where you've got five guys knifing in or just constant pressure, but that will have to kind of look at the tape a little bit closer on. Still could not get off the field on third downs, could not convert third down conversions, could not get points in the first half, could not tackle, could not get turnovers, all of it. All of the things that we have been talking about, the consistency, the issues with technique, the attention to detail, all of it, all of it is still there There have not been any significant signs of improvement. Playing at home did not help. Playing in back-to-back weeks did not help. None of it seemed to help. They can only put up 10 points on offense. They allowed 24 on defense. It felt like it should have been worse, probably because you got a blocked field goal and they missed an easy field goal that would have made it 30 to 10, which I feel like maybe would have been more indicative of the game that was played. Minnesota just made some dumb mistakes and um, I, I said one of the, my biggest takeaways at halftime was that Minnesota should have been embarrassed that they were only up by seven at half the way that Green Bay played in that first half. But man, you started the day off with four questionable players that you weren't sure if they were going to play and they all played. This is as healthy as Green Bay has been. Yes, you still have the David Bakhtiaris, the Darnell Savages, the Eric Stokes, the Tyler Davises, those sort of players that are on IR and not playing in this game. But it's about as healthy as they have been All season long, again, all of their questionable players going into the game were active and and played uh, full helping of snaps, basically. I think Musgrave maybe maybe didn't see quite as much. I'll have to look at the snap counts. But overall, there was no major injuries that were like shaking up this team in any real capacity. Um, 
You only had one injury that happened throughout the course of the game. You know, Jonathan Owens went out for a little bit, but he came back. So there was no excuses really from an injury side of things. And it was just the same exact things over and over that we have seen over the course of the past few weeks that have been plaguing this team. And they don't seem to have any sort of answer for it whatsoever. And the one that I want to go into detail on first is the inability to get points in the first half, the inability to get off to a strong start and allow your defense maybe to play with a lead or at least not have to play from behind, not allow it so that the opposing offense has everything in their playbook at their disposal that they they can call pass, they can call run, they can call play action, and you have to honor all of it because you are playing either even or in most cases from behind and in some cases significantly from behind. You just have to start off better on offense in some capacity and they haven't. It has been atrocious. This offense in first halves, a, a train wreck is doing a disservice to train wrecks. Sincerely, it has been beyond brutal. And if you want to know just how brutal it has been, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to break it down in great detail. These have been the first half drives since the game against the Saints in week three. In week three, since then, This is all of their drives in the first half. Now I took out one kneel down and I took down two drives that were just a handoff or that they gave the ball, like they gave the ball to the running back before half. And then the the time ran out. So just one play. So there's three times right before half where they either kneeled the ball down or handed the ball off. I took those three drives out because they're not realistic drives. Here were the other 25 drives from the Saints game through the Minnesota game. Four plays, eight yards, punt. Seven plays, 27 yards, punt. Six plays, 10 yards, punt. 10 plays, 41 yards, punt. Four plays, zero yards, field goal. They got a field goal because the defense got a turnover. I think that was the Lions game where they threw the interception right at the beginning. I think it was maybe Rudy Ford. He gets the interception. Green Bay goes zero yards, but they get a field goal out of it. That has been three of their points. But four plays, zero yards, field goal. Three plays, negative 11 yards, punt. Three plays, seven yards, punt. One plays, zero yards, interception. Three plays, three yards, punt. Five plays, 16 yards, punt. Four plays, 17 yards, end of half. Eight plays, 23 yards, punt. Eight plays, 75 yards, field goal, yay. Uh, Four plays, 11 yards, punt. One plays, zero yards, interception. Three plays, three yards, punt. Three plays, eight yards, punt. Five plays, 11 yards, punt. Six plays, 20 yards, punt. 11 plays, 47 yards, missed field goal. Three plays, four yards, punt. Three plays, four yards, punt. Three plays, negative three yards, punt. Three plays, one yard, punt. And then finally, the final drive of this game in the first half, 14 plays, 73 yards, field goal, yay. So just to recap recap that one more time, that is punt, 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 field goal, punt, punt, interception, punt, punt, end of half, punt, field goal, punt, interception, punt, 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 miss field goal, punt, 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 field goal. That is the first half since the Saints game on offense. There's no, there's nothing hidden there. That is 25 total drives, 25 total drives, nine total points, three due to your defense setting you up in plus, plus, plus territory, you going zero yards and getting a field goal off of it. Six earned points by the offense. Now you could argue maybe the missed field goal should have been nine earned points. Kudos to you, tip of the cap. In those same drives, on one of those punts was the one that the Saints returned for a touchdown in the first half. So that that punt alone resulted in seven points 
whereas Green Bay's entire 25 drives that they've had have resulted in nine. It is insane. 18 total punts in 25 drives, two interceptions in 25 drives, four field goal attempts. They made three of those field goals, one end of half, zero touchdowns, 25 drives in the first half since the Saints game. In those 25 drives, they ran 125 total plays, meaning that they are averaging only five plays per drive since the Saints game in the first half. 395 total yards, which means that they are averaging 3.16 yards per play, which frankly sounds better than I expected it to be. I don't know what else to say. Only four drives out of those 25 that were over 27 yards. Only four drives in 25 that went more than 27 yards. Their first half deficits, kudos to Zach Cruz for pointing this out. Their first half deficits in the past five games, 17 to 0, 27 to 3, 10 to 3, 9 to 0, 10 to 3. Total score, 73 to 9 bad guys or opponents, whatever you want to call it. And also like by the time it was 10 to three in this game, but Minnesota got the ball in the second half, drove down and scored a touchdown right away. So by the time Green Bay got the ball in the second half, it was 17 to three, not 10 to three. It is beyond abysmal. It is beyond unsatisfactory. This is nightmarishly bad for Green Bay's offense. And there is very, there are very few things that you can point to outside of coaching. Now, it's clearly, I want to be clear, it is not all on coaching. The the talent, some of the injuries, the players executing, all of those things are very much a part of this equation. And there's what makes this entire process very hard is there are a billion variables. And when you have a billion variables, it really makes it hard to drill down to one thing and be like, this is the key ingredient that's failing. Because there's just so many things that you can't make a real true determination on. You talk about like the wide receivers and Jordan Love, right? And like Luke Musgrave and Jordan Love, like the young the young playmakers and Jordan Love. Now, I think we can see with our eyes that there are plays where receivers are open and Jordan Love is missing. And there are plays when Jordan Love is delivering the ball and his wide receivers are not helping him at all. All the drops in this game, or even just like, I don't know, maybe go up and get a 50-50 ball every once in a while. Those are the things right now that it's hard to say Where with, with like Jordan Love. If you're trying to make a true evaluation of Jordan Love, and again, I think there's some things that we can still tell that aren't good enough, but to get that true evaluation when the offensive line has been bad, when the receivers have been bad, when the tight ends and wide receivers are not in the right place at the right time running the right routes, when the play calling has been bad, when A.J. Dillon's having another six carry 11 yard day, when Aaron Jones can't get on the field, that is a tough thing to figure out if it's, or oh, is this on Jordan or is everything around him awful? At the same token, for the young wide receivers, it, you don't know about Jordan either. And like, it could be like, hey, these wide receivers with a veteran quarterback would be awesome. They're actually open a decent amount and they need to get the football and they're not, or maybe it's the, the offensive line's fault. And then we could do the same thing on defense. Is it Joe Barry? I'm sure a piece of it is Joe Barry, but you also see Quay Walker in an, a perfect opportunity to make an interception and just can't catch it. You see other opportunities where they are in the right place in the right time, set up on a play that can be successful. The touchdown where Jonathan Owens abandons his zone, at least that's what it seems like. 
they had everything set up what looks to be perfectly on that play. But Jonathan Owens doesn't read it right. He goes with the wrong guy who was ultimately covered by Jair. Razul is left hanging, looking at Jonathan Owens. Hey, why are you abandoning the spot that you're supposed to be in? If you're there, it's probably an interception. And those are the type of things. So the, the players on the field have to go out and execute. But if you had to drill down to everything, and when you look at 25 first half drives, when you are supposed to be game planning, you, you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that any sort of offensive play caller and offensive mind like that is worth his salt in anything can't find a touchdown in four straight, what, five straight games, whatever it is since the Saints on opening drives that you can't scheme something up that you have, like it goes, (laughs) it goes 18 punts, two interceptions, four field goal attempts, one end of half in 25 drives in the first half, you can't find anything on tape to exploit and you can't find anything that your offense can do well to execute to get one touchdown drive in 25 first half drives, not one, not one thing. That is an indictment of coaching. The lack of accountability, the lack of progress, the legitimate regression that this team has showed. I am in no way, shape or form saying that this 100% falls on Matt LaFleur, but I am saying right now with all these variables out there, with it being hard to tell and pinpoint just one thing, if I had to start drilling down and narrowing down to the thing that I think is the common denominator more than maybe anything else, I would probably start with Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff. And some of you understandably might say, Andy, we're well past that. We were there five weeks ago. We were there last season. That That's fine. I, I mostly disagree with being able to come to that conclusion. I don't think we can even come to that conclusion fully right now. I still think you have to have this season play out a little bit more to get a full, better evaluation of what's going on, but it's not trending great. It's not going in the right direction. This is, as a head coach, this is your job. This is your job to make it so that these things do not happen, regardless of the hand that you are dealt with the talent that you have on the team. You have to find... This is not a barren wasteland of, of you know talentless players on this team. I think we can all see that in some capacity. Are any of these players really playing up to their potential right now? No, I don't. I don't know that there's a single one. Maybe Zach Tom. We'll see what his grade looks like this week. But I, it, it's it's hard to point to anyone and be like anyone's playing great. But at the same time, like that's on coaching too. And if you would look at at the players on this team, I think we all would have expected a better level of playing from the core players on this team that we are seeing. Jair Alexander, another really bad day. He's coming back from the back injury. He hasn't practiced fully. Fine. So be it. He still has not played anywhere near the football this season that we are accustomed to seeing Jair Alexander play. Elton Jenkins, I would argue the exact same thing. Those guys need to be great. They can't just be like, hey, there's some struggles or like they've looked kind of bad. They need to be awesome. Christian Watson looks nothing. And I know he is recovering from an injury too, whatever, but like he's looked nothing, absolutely nothing like the wide receiver from last year. We can go on and on and on, but you as a head coach have to figure out how to get these players in a position to be semi-successful. We're not even asking right now for wins. At least I'm not. I'm not even looking at wins right now. I'm just looking for progress signs of life 
signs of competitiveness, signs that things can and will turn around eventually. And there are none of those. It is hard. And I mean, really, really hard to find positives with this team, to find things that are trending anywhere near the right direction. I'll go over a couple a little bit later. We're just not seeing the progress. And again, I'm not even challenging this from a wins and losses standpoint. And I said this in the post-game chat, if you would have told me this team was two and five, okay, that doesn't shock me. The two and five does not shock me. I'm a little bit surprised, but I'm not shocked by that by any stretch of the imagination. What I am shocked by is the ineptitude against some rather bad football teams. Denver beat Kansas City today, so maybe they were a little bit better than we had anticipated at the time when Green Bay played them. I still don't think Denver's a great football team. I definitely don't think the Raiders are a good football team. I don't think Minnesota's a great football team. Like the only playoff team that Green Bay has faced so far is Detroit in all likelihood. And they, with all those other games, you get two wins, one against the Saints that you probably shouldn't have won, at least didn't probably deserve to win, but you found a way to win, which congratulations. You should have beat the Falcons, but found a way to kind of choke that one away. And then you beat the Bears in week one. That was really like the true one victory. And the one true real blowout, in my opinion, was against Detroit. Every other game you could at least have the right to be in. Um, This one ends up being a a two-score game, but they had every opportunity to punch the ball in multiple times in the red zone at the end of the game and just couldn't do it. I I don't know. It, It is very, very frustrating to watch a team that has legitimate talent. And I'm not saying competitive, like, you know, 10 and seven talent or anything like that but talent that should make these games more watchable, more enjoyable, more competitive, and show signs of progress. And it just has not been that. And for me, again, some of you might be past this. Some of you might disagree. Some of you might say, hey, I think it's more on Brian Gutekunst. It could be. Some of you might say, hey, players just have to go out and do their job. It's part of that too. But if I'm, if it just me looking at it from my point of view, this is a team that is far too sloppy that is not technically sound. They had 11 penalties today. They had 10 points. They had more penalties than points. A couple of them, a little iffy, but one of them even canceled out. Like, I don't even think that's counted in the in the 11 penalties because um, it was a, you know, both teams had a penalty on the play. It is far too disjointed, sloppy, and we see the same mistakes over and over for it not to be coaching in some capacity. And if you want to say like, well, maybe it's not LaFleur, maybe it's Stenovich, maybe it's, you know, uh, Joe Barry, maybe it's those guys. All right, well, Matt LaFleur hired those guys. So it comes back to head coach number one. And that that is what this league is. When you go 13 and three for three straight seasons, you get a ton of credit as you deservedly should. When you miss the playoffs the next year and then start your season two and five the next year and everything seems to be trending the wrong way, that's going to fall on you as a head coach. That is what you sign up for. And I want to see what Matt can do the remainder of this, at least at least for the foreseeable future. I want to see if he can get this turned around. I want to see if he can get this team playing the right way. I am starting to lose faith that that can end up happening, but I want to see it happen. I want to see him be successful. But, and it, it's, you know, when I do hear him, you know, in, in press conferences and, like it's it's easy. Like I, I know he has the pulse of the team. I, I I really I really think he does. He just hasn't had the solutions to get it fixed. And when you when you combine that with hearing coaches like Adam Stenovich say Josh Myers is playing the best football, give me a break. Give me an absolute break. 
We're not stupid. We have eyes. We can see. We can, we can literally see it. So, I mean, like that stuff is just, it is beyond frustrating. Um, and yeah, I, it, like I said, at some point it, it cycles everything to the one common denominator, which in my opinion is more than anything, Matt LaFleur at this point. Is it all on Matt LaFleur? No. Is he a hundred percent to blame? No. Is there issues with the other coaches? Is there issues with the GM? Is there issues with the front office? Is there issues with the way this team was built? Is there issues with injuries? Is there issues with players just doing their 111th? All of it, yes. Uh, Unequivocally, all of it, yes. Which is why, like I said at the onset, there's so many variables that it's really tough to just point to one thing and be like, this is the be all end all of all the issues. And there isn't just one thing. There isn't just going to be one quick, easy fix to any of this. Not one head coach is going to take over and just fix all of it. Not one GM, not one player, not one quarterback, not one anything is going to fix all of this. But now what it is going to be the job of Mark Murphy and the powers that be is identifying where the biggest issues are and making sure that you identify it correctly because that is at the highest pay grade. That is what you are ultimately responsible for is figuring out where the issues are, making those difficult decisions, and then making those changes. I'm not saying now. I don't think that should be now. We'll talk about more on that in just a little bit. But at some point, there has to be accountability. There has to be change, and it needs to be a whole heck of a lot better. And right now, we just need to see progress, and that is not happening. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their pizza pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? In college, I personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over. And while my mind kept telling me to do the right things and I wanted to do the right things, it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time. What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule and flexible to your individual needs. The best part is that BetterHelp is so easy to sign up for. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any 
anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Packaday. Cue the dramatic music. We have a public service announcement. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, we're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY. High-tech for low places, Manscaped. Personally, Manscaped is my go-to for all of my grooming needs. Manscaped has some crazy technology that helps prevent nicks, cuts, snags, and tugs in all those ultra-sensitive places. I also personally recommend the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion that just makes the entire experience so much better. In an area that you have to have trust, I trust Manscaped, and you should too. Right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. That's 20 percent off plus free shipping with code packaday at manscape.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. So get yours today from our folks over at Manscaped. All right, let's talk about Jordan Love for a little bit. 24, 41, 229 yards, 5.6 yard average, one touchdown, one pick, four sacks. Kind of the same Jordan Love type of day. Listen, the interception's not his fault. That's Jaden Reed. That ball hits him in the hands. He's got every right to have that ball. Should be not only not an interception, should be a big completion down the field. Is it a, I I think that's a good ball from Jordan. And that's just a bad play by Jaden Reed. Not only to not have it caught and get a big play out of it, but to allow an interception going the other way. And it doesn't go all the way, but a huge chunk on the return. That is a big miss by his wide receiver. There are multiple times where wide receivers, running backs, tight ends drop easy passes. There are multiple times where Jordan gives his wide receiver a 50-50 ball and his wide receiver cannot come up with it at all, not even close. That is not all on Jordan. And I think these are the same sort of issues. Now there's other times where like, yeah, the interception that he did have should not have been an interception. There's another play where he throws the cover two shot that the safety should have picked it off. So it even kind of evens out. Um, There are plays where... Romeo Dobbs is wide open and Jordan Love like under throws it like by five yards. And maybe Dobbs could have still caught the ball probably, but that's like 10 yards under thrown by Jordan Love. There's another play to the other side where Jordan Love woefully under throws a ball. So I'm not absolving Jordan Love, but like you look at the first, you know, handful of plays in this game and you read Jordan Love's box score and it says one for three for two yards, one for three for two yards to start the game. What you don't see is that he had the one completion for two yards. The two incompletions were a drop by Aaron Jones and a drop by Luke Musgrave. And he had a play on third and one where, so it's a called run play. You can see it's a called run play. His three wide receivers go to run block. Everyone's run blocking up front. And then, you know, Dylan's going for the ball and Jordan is making a quick read to the outside because the defender is playing way off and it's third and one. So I, I'm thinking it's Romeo, but it, I can't say for sure. But I'm thinking there's some sort of signal that's made to Romeo to to make the quick throw so he can just get the ball out and get the quick completion and they can pick up a first down. It's the right read by Jordan based on how the defense was playing. Now, what I cannot tell you is A, which wide receiver it was, B, 
was it the receiver that didn't get the like catch the call and it's the receiver's fault or was it Jordan like as we heard when unlike the the QB sneak that went totally wrong he gave the wrong check did he give the wrong check in this one did he give the check that said hey we're going to hand off the ball and that's why all the receivers went to run block or did he give the right check and the receiver messed it up that we don't know but on the third play of the game, the third play of the game, the wide receivers and the quarterback aren't on the same page, likely due to a misconstrued check at the line of scrimmage based on how the defense was playing. It's the right read from Jordan that he should have thrown it out there. They would have picked up an easy first down. And instead, so what happens then, back to my original point, is he's looking out there. There's nobody going out for a pass. There's nobody going out. So he's dropping back to pass. There's an edge rusher you know, coming off like nuclear on the side. And everyone, everyone on the field is expecting a running play from the Packers offense. And now Jordan Love has to figure something out quick. So he, you know, stiff arms the defender. Romeo eventually realizes that it's a pass goes downfield and Jordan gives him a ball downfield that he can go up and get. And, and Romeo does a nice job getting it. But because of all the, you know, issues up front and everyone thinking it's a run play, now Rasheed Walker's downfield and you end up with a, a penalty. It's not Rasheed Walker's fault. He thought it was a run play. Um, that he's down there. So we, it looks like a bad play for Rashid. It looks like a, you know, um, a blown up play from the very beginning. It looks like maybe Jordan should have handed it off, but there's just a misconstrued signal on the third play. But again, original point being is if you look at his stats, one for three, two yards, his first four passes were complete. It should have been completed, but you had two drops and a penalty that erased a 20 yard completion to Romeo Dobbs. It's tough to box score scout with, with these sort of things. And there are moments where Jordan looks really good. He had the play where he's getting sacked and he hits Dontavian Wicks over the middle. Dontavian Wicks has an easy drop in the, you know, in the red zone. He's probably down at the one, but maybe he can get in on that play. His, his receivers are doing him no favors. He's also at times doing his wide receivers no favors. And this is what I've been saying where it, it's lame and boring and cliche, but if everyone does their 111th just a little bit better, everyone looks better. Everyone looks better because they're just doing their job a tiny bit better. And those negative plays turn into positive plays really, really fast, but there's just so much chaos everywhere. And this team does not look ready to play football when the game starts at all. And again, that's why it's really hard not to go back to coaching. So again, wide receivers need to play better. Jordan needs to play better. Christian Watson needs to go up and actually use his 6'4 height and go up and get a freaking ball, his amazing leaping ability. Like he looks like he's stuck in mud going up, getting the ball or just like unwilling. Like you've got to go and get the freaking ball. Go like high point a ball, high point a ball challenge. Can you go high point a ball at some point and go up and get it and use strong hands and be like, that's my ball. I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to come down with that thing. Cause Jordan gave you a lot of opportunities and you didn't come down with any of them. And again, same thing with Jaden Reed. I think, I don't know if Romeo had a couple or not. Wicks had a drop. It's just, it's all over the place. And again, you end up with the third call of the game where you're misconstruing signals as well. That is the type of team that Green Bay is right now, all over the place and nothing can be counted on. Nothing. Uh, let's talk about the defense. That'll be a lot more fun. So Kirk Cousins goes 23 for 31, 274 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 122.2 rating before going down with a torn Achilles. Brutal for him and for Minnesota. Uh, Quay Walker drops an easy interception. The Vikings were 10 of 18 on third down, but they were much better on that when like the game actually mattered. You had some Jaron Hall missed third down conversions later in the game, but they were insanely good on third down. And when they did go for it on fourth down, they were one for one on fourth down. 
24 points was not indicative of the day that the defense played. It, it felt and was much worse than that. Just ends up with being 24 points on the board. You had, the again, the block field goal and the missed field goal that probably should have been closer to 30 points. Kudos to the special teams for coming up with a big block field goal. Defense had three sacks, one turnover. They get the big uh, play by Preston Smith to jar the ball out, and they do get the fumble recovery there. So they were able to even up the turnover battle with that play. A little bit felt like a little bit, you know, too little, too late. And like I said, Minnesota just had complete domination of, of the time of possession and ball control. They continued to bleed clock. They continued to get first downs on third downs and just not, Green Bay could not get off the field at any of the key important times in, of the game. There were far too many miscommunications on the back end, far too many wide open wide receivers and tight ends. And it's just same things, disjointed, not attention to detail, not communicating effectively. And I know that the offense is not setting them up in a great position. I know that the if the offense could play better and, and get the defense off the field or like get the, the defense some points and keep them off the field a little bit longer, the defense probably plays better. I, I don't I don't necessarily think that that's ultimately the case. I think this defense is still bad. I think we can see it just kind of with the eye test. And teams don't need to go all crazy against Green Bay and put up a, a ton of like a crazy amount of points. It's just this is the game that's being played. Like I said, I think Minnesota did a poor job of just taking advantage of some of the opportunities they were given in the first half. Minnesota didn't. Here's the here's the sick sad part. Minnesota didn't even play a, a really great game in this one, especially in the first half with all the things that Green Bay was doing terribly. Minnesota didn't even take advantage of it and gave Green Bay opportunity after opportunity after t- opportunity late in the game, and Green Bay still couldn't take advantage of it. Kirk Cousins goes out, they still can't take advantage of it. That's, again, just the type of team that Green Bay is right now. Another tough day for Jair Alexander, gives up an easy touchdown to Jordan Addison, gives up a couple first down completions to Jordan Addison. Not the play that we expect and want from, from Jair Alexander. And how just classic was it that early in the game, Josh Myers misses a block after being said he's playing the best football of his career and he misses a block early in the game and the play just gets completely blown up because Myers misses the block. All right, that's enough of my, I, I, I'm even going to call it like grumpy. It's just, re, it's realism. It's realistic issues that this team is having. Let's talk about a few positives really quick because why not? There are some positives to take away. Hopefully we get more positives as I watch the All-22 and maybe we pick up on a couple things that we didn't see in the, the live game or on the rewatch. But I thought TJ Slayton had a really nice day. I thought he was resetting the line of scrimmage. He made a couple big plays in the backfield. Thought he was really sound in run defense. This is probably not ever going to be the player that's making aggressive splash plays with any consistency in the backfield from a pressure standpoint, but I thought he had a really nice game in run defense. Minnesota had trouble blocking him all day, and he was a real reason that this run defense played much better and actually was the biggest positive from this game. The run defense allowed only 54 yards on 27 carries when you take out the Jaron Hall kneel downs and a couple small scrambles by Kirk Cousins. 54 yards on 27 carries, two yards per carry. They did allow the first rushing touchdown to Minnesota for the year. And to be fair, Minnesota is a terrible rushing offense, but Green Bay showed up big. 27 carries, 54 yards is a really, really great job well done for a run defense. Now, Unfortunately, their pass defense was a trash dumpster fire, whatever you want to call it, but their run defense did step up. They played better. It's something that was desperately needed, especially against a bad rushing offense. They did get that part of the job done. 
They just didn't marry it. And they actually got Minnesota on third and longs. They just didn't marry it up with actually being able to get off the field on those third and longs and played one of their worst games of the season in pass defense. And then lastly, I thought Preston Smith had a really nice day as well. He forced the fumble. He's got two sacks on the day, set the edge, had the great playing coverage against TJ Hawkinson in the end zone, multiple big time plays. I thought this was, uh, at first glance, this was Preston's best game of the year and excited to see uh, how he did overall when I go through the all 22. Maybe another positive from an injury standpoint, it seems like Yash Nyman might've been the only player uh, that went out. He did go out with an injury. So Rasheed Walker starter, they bench Rasheed Walker, who was healthy. Uh, they go with Yash Nyman instead of Rasheed Walker. Yash Nyman has a foot issue on the last, I think it was just the last drive, maybe it was the last couple drives, but uh, Rasheed Walker goes back in and Yash did not return. As far as I know, I believe that's the only injury of any sort of significance that we know about from that game. And hopefully they did get out of it rather unscathed. And hopefully guys like Jair and Campbell and Jones and Watson and those guys continue to progress and get healthier. Not sure how much it's going to help, but it certainly doesn't hurt uh, if you don't have any more um, injuries. And this one, it seems like they got out relatively unscathed, which might be the biggest positive to take away from this game. All right, a couple last things before we get out of here. I know the big question is, well, who should Green Bay fire? They, they need to do something. We need to make a immediate gut reaction and it's time to fire someone. Fire Joe Barry, fire Matt LaFleur, fire Brian Gutekunst, fire Adam Stenovich, fire whomever. Let me just start by saying this. For those of you who want names and, and want to see terminations, there are multiple people right now, front office personnel, coaches, and players who are in the process of losing their jobs. When that happens, I don't know. And can that still turn around? Yes. But there is change that will come if this does not turn around. And I know we want immediate gratification of it has to happen right now. There needs to be terminations right now. I stand by, I don't think you get anything out of that right now. I really don't. I don't think firing Goot right now gets you anywhere. I don't think firing Lafleur right now gets you anywhere. I don't think firing Joe Barry right now gets you anywhere. I don't think any of that is conducive to helping where this team is at right now. And I think you want to keep things as consistent as possible so you can try to get a full evaluation of as many things as possible. Because the last thing you want to do is let go of a good coach because everything else sucks or let go of a really good quarterback because you couldn't judge it because everything else sucks. Like, I think at some point you have to try to let this season play out as much as possible to try to evaluate as much as possible and make your determinations at the end of the season. You're not going to go out even if you fire Brian Gudikins right now, it's not like there's any major decisions that are looming for this team as long as they don't make any stupid moves before the trade deadline, knock on wood. There's not going to be any crazy moves that are made between now and the draft and free agency anyway. I don't think firing Matt LaCoach and uh, Matt LaFleur, the coach, and uh, promoting Rich Passaccia, something like that, changes all the much. It probably hurts your special teams. I don't think it hurts your overall, like, I don't think that that is going to help you in any real way. I don't think firing Joe Barry, and I don't even know who you promote on the defense at this point. And you're not, there's no free agent coaches, GMs, quarterbacks, anything else out there of going out and making those changes right now. I still, and I'm not saying that some of these decisions can't be made down the road in season if this continues to go in a super negative direction, but I don't think week seven is it after a two and five start 
with this specific team that is ex- extremely insanely young. I do think you let this play out a little bit more and see if this team can get things corrected on their own accord. I said all along, I want to see this team playing their best football at the end of the year and starting to put things together. I expected it to look better than this right now. It has not. And there needs to be accountability at some point if this continues to happen. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't behoove anyone to make those moves right now, in my opinion. And like I said, there are multiple players, coaches, front office personnel, amongst others who are in the process of losing their jobs if things don't change. It will happen if things don't change. There's just no, there's no way around that. You're you're not going to consistently play a beyond brutal brand of football week in and week out and expect things to stay the same. There's just 0% chance it happens. Now, whether that is Goot, LaFleur, Barry, Stenovich, Royce Newman, Jordan Love, I, I don't know yet. And I don't think Green Bay knows yet either. And that's why you need to let this play out further to really help you determine and decide who are the biggest parties that are at fault and how do we make the right changes to get it fixed? And is it a full-scale cleaning house? GM, coach, quarterback, all brand new? Do you mix and match? Do you find some pieces and say, hey, we really believe in Matt LaFleur. We don't think he was given the right ingredients to succeed. We really believe in Brian Gutekinds, but we don't think the coaching staff did the best job of building the team that needed to be built with the ingredients that they were given. We think we have an awesome team, but the quarterback isn't the right quarterback, whatever that is. And I I don't think anyone can have a great, super perfect feel for that right now. Like I said at the very beginning, right now I lean that that's mostly on Matt LaFleur. Not mo- like, I don't even know how I want to say it. But if, if there's one thing that I lean towards more, it's Matt LaFleur at this point. But I still think Matt can be a good coach. I still think it's within the realm of possibility that he can get this turned around. And I would still want to give him a little bit more time to do so. That's me personally. I know a lot of you are probably feeling a lot different. And I know a lot of people want that immediate gratification of, hey, this sucks. Let's make that change right now. I just think that that's not the best way to run a business, a football team. And I think you do want to give a little bit of leeway just to extra make sure. You're not you're not fixing anything right now in these next few weeks by making any changes anyway. It can be small little pieces that change, but you're not fixing the crux of the problem right now. It would have to be in the off season where you make major moves and bring in new personnel, ideas, coaches, GM, whatever it is. You're not making that ultimate decision until the off season. So let's make extra sure that you are a thousand percent positive that Matt LaFleur is the, the guy that's to blame or Brian Gutekunst or Jordan Love or whomever that may be. But let's give it more time, see how it plays out and see if maybe Matt LaFleur can learn from this and get better. Maybe Brian Gutekunst can learn from this and get better. Maybe Jordan Love can learn from this and get better. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. I'm not positive. I, I'm not, I, clearly, I think you guys can tell it's not trending right and it's not going in the right direction. And I'm there. I understand all the frustration. I, I do. I think you can tell there's real frustration. And again, mostly, mostly because there's not progress and it's regression. That's the issue. But I still think you give this team and its core principles time to figure it out. And if they don't, like I said, there will be changes and there will be people that lose their jobs because of the way things are going right now. Same thing of the, is it time for Sean Clifford? It is not time for Sean Clifford. It's just not. All of the things, the wide receivers dropping six passes, offensive line not protecting, all of those things don't change with Sean Clifford at quarterback. You have to give Jordan Love the opportunity to get better. There were a lot of the same questions with a lot of really young quarterbacks in their first seven to 10 starts, and they got a lot better. 
You have to give Jordan Love that opportunity to get better and, and continue to evaluate Jordan Love. And if it continues to be the same Jordan Love through this season, then you have your evaluation. If he continues to, if he shows signs of progress, then that changes things. If he shows signs of regression, that changes things. But you have to give this time to play out to get the full evaluation. Last but not least, as far as expectations the rest of the season, it's really hard to find a way that this team gets more than maybe two wins the rest of the year, like sincerely, the way that they are playing right now. Could they stumble across a victory against the Rams? against a, a team that maybe ends up with some banged up players or a backup quarterback, sure. Could they beat the Bears and the Panthers? Yes. It's just they're playing really bad football right now. And they, I don't think they go into any game being like, yeah, they should win this game because every other team should play Green Bay and saying that they should win this game right now. That is the style of football that Green Bay's playing. It's not good enough in any phase. There is nothing on defense that is scaring you as an offensive coordinator. Just make sure Rashawn Gary doesn't completely wreck the game. And usually Rashawn Gary is more of like a, you know, I'm going to rush the, you know, he's really, really good, but like, he's not the guy that's usually going to completely take over a game like a TJ Watt, a Miles Garrett, a Joey, or excuse me, a Nick Bosa, or like something like that. Like he's right there, but that's the one thing you have to worry about is Rashawn Gary, right? Make sure he doesn't completely wreck the game defensively. On offense, nothing's scaring you. You don't have to do anything special. Just make sure that you keep two safeties back and you don't allow any big plays, which you're probably not going to get anyway. There's nothing scaring any opposing team. I don't care if it's the Bears, the Panthers, or anyone else. They're going to feel like they can go against Green Bay, in Green Bay, at home, wherever, and beat that team because they are playing very, very bad football right now. The hope is that things get better, that these are the darkest days, and that little by little, you see signs of progress. We saw signs of progress in the run defense today. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just the Vikings really suck at running the ball like they have the rest of the season. Or maybe it is something. Maybe it's a step in the right direction for the run defense. Maybe that is something. TJ Slayton played well. Preston Smith played well. There are some positives to take away. We'll see what happens when we review the All-22 and break down every player on every play and see how the grades come out. But I think we kind of know it's going to be another disappointing set of grades. It's another disappointing performance. It's, it's another loss. And uh, it is one more piece of the evaluation, just the evaluation not going great for Green Bay and all of its key players and personnel and coaches right now. I think that's it. Other than that, the Packers look great. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you guys a ton. I will be here right back here tomorrow with an all new episode, 365 days a year. We're going to try to evaluate everything, figure out the problems. And uh, yeah, have new and exciting content every single day, regardless of how stinky that this team can get to. We're going to still talk about it, try to make it better and uh, enjoy it as Packer fans because we carry the G 365 days a year, no matter what. Huge shout out to most hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, and Lori Lord for being Packaday podcast members. Check out memberships if you have not done so already. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Paco.